Welcome to RJ Court Watch, a legal podcast produced by RH Reality Check and hosted by senior legal analysts Amani Gandhi and Jessica Mason Piclo. This episode, we discuss the criminal prosecution of Pervy Patel, an Indiana woman who was recently convicted of two contradictory felony charges of neglect of a dependent and feticide. Patel's case is the second time Indiana prosecutors have gone after a woman in relation to a bad pregnancy outcome, and there are already reports of more cases lining up behind hers. Amani, it's hard for me to think of a clear case of why it's not just important, but fundamentally necessary to approach reproductive rights issues from a reproductive justice framework than Patel's case. Yeah, I mean, and not even really just that. It's important to approach these cases just from a common sense standpoint. I mean, there is there's nothing about this case and this and this verdict that makes any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, how can you be charged with killing a fetus and then neglecting in a life? It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I really can you explain it to me, Jessica? Well, I can't, but I'll certainly try. Um, so here's what's going on in Indiana. Um, Pervy Patel is a 33-year-old woman who um, showed up at a hospital suffering from some heavy vaginal bleeding. And at first, she was reluctant to admit to doctors that she had had a birth, but eventually um, she did. And then everything went bananas from there, basically. What Patel told uh, doctors was that she had miscarried at home, um, that she placed the remains in a garbage bag and disposed of them because, I mean, from a practical matter if you have a miscarriage at home I think that's like what do you do right I mean there's just that issue out there but and doctors the showed up and were in, they were interrogating Patel when at three o'clock in the morning in her hospital room and all of this led to two different charges one is feticide for what prosecutors claim is uh, Patel's self-induced abortion they claim she ordered drugs online um, abortifacients and induced a miscarriage at home then they also charged her with neglect of a dependent which requires a live birth so we have two charges. One says uh, Patel induced a stillbirth, a dead fetus. And the other says she induced a live birth and then neglected the baby until it died. That discrepancy apparently didn't matter to an Indiana jury who convicted her on both charges. And now she faces up to 70 years in prison. It's mind boggling to me. And what's more mind boggling is, is, as you said, in terms of looking at it from a reproductive justice standpoint, the other woman that was prosecuted for similar charges was also a woman of color. And so it makes me wonder what is going on in Indiana? What is going on in this country where we're, we're seeing more and more laws that are being enacted by state legislatures across the country that have disproportionate effect on women of color? I, I, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how we can make this issue more, I don't know, ap- appealing to the, to society at large. I don't know if we need to, if there needs to be a couple of white women that are that are prosecuted and end up facing 70 years in jail before we can get people to care about this stuff. But, you know, just a quick Google search shows that there aren't a lot of articles or, or, or news stories about this case. And, and one would think that this would be, you know, something that everyone is talking about. And so I'm, I mean, I guess the verdict means that more people will be talking about it. But the notion that this woman is facing 70 years in prison for a bad pregnancy outcome is really just outrageous. It is. And you bring up a lot of good points that I think we um, really deserve some unpacking there. Um, One of them is the fact that, you know, Patel's prosecution is not the first time Indiana has tried to do this. They tried to do this a couple years earlier in the case of Bebe Shui, a Chinese uh, woman who attempted suicide in the eighth month of her pregnancy and ultimately lost 
the pregnancy as a result of it. She survived. Um, and in that case, prosecutors tried but ultimately dropped the feticide charge against her because they didn't have the evidence that she was in- attempting to kill her baby. Um, not to mention the fact that the that the statute was never contemplated to be used against women, um, against pregnant women. But also, I think what we're seeing in both of these prosecutions is not prosecutions based on evidence, but prosecutions based on emotion and assumption on what uh, an appropriate mother looks like, how an appropriate mother behaves, and how a woman should or should not respond to um, news that she is pregnant. One of the things that really struck me in the Patel prosecution in particular was there was a lot of testimony from the from the state about about Patel's demeanor. They said that she didn't cry enough, that she, you know, was having a difficult time looking doctors in in the eye when she was talking to them, that she was very kind of cold in her demeanor. Um, They spun that to say that, you know, she is a murderer. Um, Those are all classic trauma symptoms, too. And so I think the fact that we have the state coming down um, in in its criminal capacity against women of color for bad pregnancy outcomes is something that, I mean, we expect the anti-choice community to be silent about, but the reproductive rights community really needs to be coming together and up in arms about this. Right. And I think that there, I mean, the fact that her parents were strict Hindus, I mean, it seems to me that she was hiding this pregnancy from her parents because they were strict Hindus and there was to be no sex before marriage, much less an out of wedlock pregnancy. And it seems to me that there's a lack of concern or care about cultural differences that may that may impel certain women to react differently to a pregnancy. Um, You know, where is the understanding about various cultures here? I mean, I really am at a loss and it's it's just profoundly depressing because, you know, she's a 33 year old woman who ostensibly had her entire life ahead of her. She was in a relationship with an unmarried with a with a married man. And and now she's going to be potentially in prison for 70 years for charges that literally do not jive well together. You cannot be at, at the same time guilty of killing a baby and also neglecting a baby when I I, I know I seem to be stuttering and stammering. It's that's simply because I really am that sort of shocked and and unable to figure out what it is that we as a community can do to raise awareness about this sort of stuff. I mean, it's not obviously you said that it's it's not the first time that this has happened in Indiana, but it's also these sorts of cases are happening around the country. For example, you know, there is that case of Amanda Kimbrough, I believe, in Alabama, mm-hmm. who was charged with um, endangering what was it, chemical endangerment. Because she was addicted to methamphetamines. I mean, where is the concern for women who are addicted to drugs? Where is the concern for women who are having mental health issues? There's got to be a better way to help these women than rather than to just prosecute them, convict them and throw them in jail. And I mean, I think really when we peel back all of the layers in the Patel case, we we see so many of the societal failures across the board. There was a lot of evidence um, and testimony about text messages back and forth between Patel and her friend concerning her menstrual cycle. And did she miss a period or was she spotty? How far along in her pregnancy was? So there's this in Indiana is, is, is a state with, you know, no sex education in, in its public schools and where it's practically impossible to get an abortion and anything having to do with sex and female sexuality is completely taboo. And then on the flip side of that, anything having to do with um, motherhood and the the biology of reproduction is mystified to the point where, you know, women and and people just don't have access to information to empower themselves to make good reproductive health choices and then face 
felony charges and potentially the rest of their life in prison for making decisions when in moments of crisis. And that is just across the board failure. Just speaking from a legal perspective, I mean, I'm really interested in this whole lung float test that the pathologist used to uh, that the pathologist used to determine that that this baby was born alive. I mean, this is a test that has been discredited since the 80s. So how is it that these sorts of these sorts of anti-scientific methods are making it into the courtroom. And it's not just making it into the courtroom. Junk science is is permeating legislatures to the point where you've got legislatures, for example, including pages and pages of nonsense about fetuses feeling pain in order to further restrict access to safe abortion care. So there seems to be a problem with I mean, we, we even see that in the current measles outbreak with people talking about, you know, whether or not herd immunity is something that's real, whether or not vaccinations are something that is real or whether it's big pharma that's trying to, you know, control us all. There is a real problem in this country with people disbelieving science and believing that their own, you know, quasi science or their own emotion trumps actual, logical, scientifically provable facts. Um the float test is really fascinating. And our colleague, uh, Emily Crockett, made a comment to me about how it sounds like something right out of the Salem witch trials, right? Like if the fetus lungs float, then she's a witch. Um, right. And I <laughs> exactly. think it's, but you know, I mean, I hate to make light of it, but I think, you know, it's it's so tragic. We, we have to in that sense, because that is the level of absurdity. We are, as you said, I mean, this is anti-science. Um, the pathologist determined based on, you know, a test that's, that if the lungs float in water, then um, they had air in them. But having air in them is not necessarily the same thing as having taken a breath, for example. And um, there is volumes and volumes of scientific evidence where in during second trimester miscarriages, for example, um, a baby takes a breath. That doesn't mean that the baby was ever viable, that that baby would ever survive, which is an important right. test when we're talking about neglect of a dependent, right? Because we are, that statute, that charge right there depends on a viable, actual human being, not a potential human being, which is when we are talking about pregnancy, obviously something there. And I think you're right to connect it to junk science across the board. I mean, the pathologist in this case, this is one of my one of my favorite absurd facts from the Patel case. Um, Moonlights as an instructor in the Bradley method um, of birth coaching and the Bradley method, for those of you who are unfamiliar with, is a husband centered male focused process where it's like Lamaze, except it's all about the guy as the like perfect coach through this process. And to me, that says everything we need to know about the bias going in against Patel. These people decided right. she was not the perfect mother or that she was not an appropriate woman because of whatever reason. And they found a way to throw her in jail for it. We have with us Reverend Marie Soroki, board member of the Indiana Religious Coalition for Reproductive Justice, an organization that is and has been closely monitoring the Pervy Patel prosecution. Reverend Soroki, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Um, so one way that I've described the Patel case um, is that Ms. Patel is being prosecuted for felony miscarriage or for felony stillbirth. And I'm hoping you can kind of quickly walk through for us the case the state of Indiana is trying to make against Ms. Patel and whether or not you feel like that description is an accurate or a fair one. I think your description is very accurate and very fair. Um, and briefly, what happened was um, Ms. Patel went to the hospital in July 13th of 13. 
um, for bleeding, profuse bleeding. And during the course of examination, she was asked if she was pregnant and had delivered. She said no. Um, they sent her to the OB ward where she had lost about a fifth of her blood. And um, they asked again, and she said no. She had never been pregnant, had not delivered. They actually called in a third doctor. And um, then I believe they examined her, and there was uh, an umbilical cord. And then she finally admitted that she had given uh, stillbirth, uh, was not breathing, the baby was not breathing, and that she had wrapped it in a bag and placed it in a dumpster. One of the things that um, has struck me about the Patel prosecution that um, is similar to the Bebe Shui case, which came um, mm-hmm. before Ms. Patel, sadly, in, in Indiana, is the the idea that there are a lot of officials in the chain that seem to be jumping to the conclusion that there was a bad act here. Does that fit with, with your assessment as someone who's actually in Indiana? Yes, it, it, it definitely does. And, you know, there's, there's something, I don't like to use the term pro-life, pro-choice, um, because I think all of us are, even those for choice, are, are pro-life. But there seems to be this whenever there's less than an optimal outcome. The first thought is that the woman did something wrong and it's right away to persecution. Um, you had the Bebe Shui case, which was so involved and very different from this. But again, it went with the same charges, even though in this case, the baby was born, um, was, you know, almost full term and died afterwards. There was, even though in the Bebe Shui case, uh, the, she wanted to commit suicide, but the drugs she took or the uh, what she took for that doesn't cross the placenta and wouldn't have affected, you know, the, the baby. Um, none of that mattered from them for pursuing that prosecution, which was eventually dropped to a different charge. Um, recently in Indianapolis, there was a, um, a dead infant found in a park, which they estimate to be a year old. Everything is going towards where's the mother. We have to find the mother. The safe haven laws. Nothing towards could she be a victim to, even when I asked the police about that. You know, is it possible she's also a victim and she's dead somewhere? Always, what did she do wrong? Can you talk a little bit about the climate in Indiana for pregnant people and and families and any services or lack of services that your state has and how that fits into what we're seeing in the Patel prosecution? I think the overall atmosphere is... um, Women, you know, we have the fourth um, highest infant mortality rate. And um, that's not just infants. That's not just pregnancy. And that actually goes up to two years you know, of age. So what's happening is there are not enough services for two things. There's not enough services and access to prenatal care. And there's also not enough access for once the child is born. And, you know, as far as health, as far as, you know, um, classes, as far as, you know, coverage, all these are missing. Instead, there's so much legislation, so much legislation going towards criminalizing women when they're pregnant, to criminalizing, which would not be a crime for anyone else. There is so much waste on focusing on this, as I tend to call it, you know, pro-fetus, because if the woman is totally discounted in this. Um, a new bill was just introduced that would make it a felony if a woman who is pregnant or reasonably knows she's pregnant and takes a controlled substance. Reasonably knows she's pregnant. Who gets to decide when you reasonably know you're pregnant? So even though you could legally choose to have an abortion, in between that time, 
say you ingest something, that could be a felony. Does that make any sense at all? Thank you for listening to RJ Court Watch, a legal podcast produced by RH Reality Check. For more of our coverage on reproductive rights and justice issues, please go to www.rhrealitycheck.org.